up, everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Hey, now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I am here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, at the Living the Dream Studios, and I don't have D-Boy alongside me again today. Matter of fact, I don't have anybody alongside me here today because uh, I am here solo and by myself. Um, And that's okay. That's all right. I got some things that I need to get off of my chest and some things that I need to talk about. And, uh, you know, D-Boy had some prior engagements that he had to get to. And I won't be holding y'all for too long here today because I still got some things to get to myself. It's about 520 right now uh, on Friday, December 6th. And I have to go broadcast the Portland State versus the California State University Northridge game here in a couple of hours. So I won't be here for too long, but there's definitely some things that I am going to get off my chest while I am here because uh, I miss being behind the microphone, miss talking to y'all, my wake up and win listeners. And we just going to get this thing rocking today. So uh, appreciate y'all for tuning in. As usual, make sure that you subscribe uh, to the podcast. Make sure that you rate the podcast. Make sure that you tell a friend to tell a friend um, because y'all know we only dish off the reel here on the Wake Up and Win podcast. A few quick announcements before I dig into some of the content that I currently have some interest in. Um, first things first, like I mentioned tonight, none of y'all will see, will get this information right here on the podcast, but I got a game tonight, Portland state, um, versus California, you know, California state university in Northridge, CSU Northridge, um, that tip off will be at seven thirty-five. It is actually a double header. So I think the women are getting started right now. I actually just came from over at the Viking pavilion because we pre-recorded the pregame show today. So once the women are done. Um, they'll already have the pregame show pre-recorded and set up for Pluto TV's broadcast. And then obviously after that's done with the game will get started and I will be on the call with my guy, Matt Rickard. So just be sure to follow the Vikings this year, at, you know, all of their home games and they've been doing decent so far this year. I mean, the record isn't the most attractive. I actually joined my friend Greg Peterson yesterday. He has a podcast called Hooping with Hoops and Greg is a I call him a college basketball guru. The guy knows everything about literally every school in the country when it comes to college basketball. And it's actually kind of nuts, but he has his own college basketball podcast um, and he works. uh, He does radio out in Las Vegas right now. And so he hit me up a couple days ago and asked if I could be a guest because there's not too many college basketball games going on tonight, but he wanted me to kind of give a preview to um, this game that's happening here tonight between Portland State and Northridge. So I got to chat with him about it, and as I was kind of telling him, is right now the Vikings are 3-5, and five, which is obviously not the most attractive record. But what I will say is they've played some really good teams. They've played some teams that have had some major success here early on in the season, obviously playing against the Indiana Hoosiers. They played against the University of Hawaii. They played against Oregon State. They played against UC Santa Barbara. Like, they've got some good teams under their belt that they've played against. And not only do they have good teams that they've played against, they've competed actually really well in those games, but they haven't quite been able to squeak them out. And I credit a lot of that to their starting center, Sal Nuhu, 
He's not playing right now. He's currently in. He's out with the sprained sprained ankle, and I don't think he'll be there tonight. But he'll definitely be back before conference play, which is the most important part of the season anyway. But Sal, um, very athletic guy. He led the Big Sky Conference in block shots last year. He can rebound it. He'll dunk on you. Um, he he he's a momentum changer with his ability to go up and catch the alley oop and get the crowd into the game or being able to go up and swatch you into the stands because he's a hell of a shot blocker as I already mentioned. So um, you know not having him especially with this team that likes to pressure a lot they the the, the Vikings really play a fast full court pressure style of basketball. And, you know, sometimes teams are going to break the press down and you know that you're going to give up some points when you're pressing against these other teams, especially at the Division One level. But one thing that the Vikings have had in their favor is uh, they've had Sal Nuhu to be able to anchor them as that sort of final layer of the pressure defense. So you're already kind of playing at a fast pace and you, you feel as if you're going downhill and you probably don't have as much control as you think you do. And so once you feel like you've broken down that press, now you got a one-on-one situation with Sal Nuhu. And what do you know? He sends your shit to the stands. What do you know? He alters your shot. He makes you miss. Or you might even be scared to go up against him because you know what kind of presence he already has in there. So I think once they get Sal Nuhu back, Alonzo Walker, third leading scorer on the team, think he's the second leading rebounder on the team he's been out a couple games so um and he helps out inside obviously with those numbers as well I think this team really could kind of take a step in the right direction and be really dangerous in conference play Holland Boo Boo Woods was the big sky conference player of the, uh, the week last week so he's balling doing what I expected him to do and what I've been expecting him to do um I actually me and D-Boy we talked about it a bit last year I told D-Boy when I first started working with Portland State, I said, man, this dude, Boo Boo, right here, D-Boy came to my first game on the broadcast, and I told him, I said, man, this dude, Boo Boo, right here, he's got NBA talent, in my opinion. Um, I've had the fortune to play with a lot of guys that have gone on to play in the NBA, so I kind of feel like I know what NBA talent looks like, and he's a player that, hey, he has the skills to make his dream real, so... I mean, got to give him credit where it's due. He's been balling out so far this year. I think he's leading the conference and scoring up to this point in the season. And although it's early, like I said, he's doing what I've expected him to do here to start off his junior year. But anywho, that game will be tonight, North Ridge versus Portland State. And uh, I'll be over there shortly. But also a couple more announcements. Tomorrow night, which is December 7th, I will be at Export once again. Um, I'm elated to be back at Export DJing over there because they continue to book me and it's really just a dope ass bar and lounge. Like it's a beautiful rooftop, rooftop bar and lounge, super modern. As I told y'all before, you just go to the Porter Hotel, five star hotel here in downtown Portland. You walk into the hotel. It's a bar right there waiting for you downstairs before you even get up to the rooftop bar. So if you want to get a little perking downstairs before you head up to the top where the music and the vibes are, you can go ahead and do that. Or you can just skip right by it and head straight to the vibes where I reside when I'm there. Ooh, that was a bar. But um, <laughs> you head right up to the vibes where I'm at. You, you go to the elevator, catch it up to the 16th floor. And there's this beautiful rooftop bar and lounge. And uh, I, DJ Pounce, will be rocking the mic and rocking the vibe. So 
Um, I'm inviting y'all out tomorrow, the 7th, and I'll also be back there next Saturday, the 14th. So continue to come out, support, have a good time, bring your friends. It's a good winter vibe. Um, don't be discouraged by the fact that it's a rooftop bar in downtown Portland because um, I know Portland is really cold right now. It's pretty brisk out here, but um, this thing is modern, man. It was just made in 2018. You think they didn't expect to, or do you think they didn't know that they needed to be able to make a rooftop bar that people could go to during the winter months? Portland is always cold. So they've got the fire pits there for you. They got the in, the indoor portion of the rooftop bar. They got the two patios that are both covered. So even if it rains, you won't get wet. <laughs> and it's just a beautiful vibe up there. So come check me out with that. But now let's get to some content because, uh, you know, that's what I'm all about. And I got to, I guess, semi eat my words a little bit. And I'm saying semi with intent here. And the reason why is, and I think D-Boy is actually over at the game or heading to the game. That's probably why he isn't here recording this podcast is the Blazers, Portland Trail Blazers are playing against the Los Angeles Lakers tonight. That's all fine and dandy. The big storyline in regards to the Portland Trail Blazers has been Carmelo Anthony. We talked about it when Carmelo Anthony, I think we recorded the day he got signed and we talked about and discussed Carmelo Anthony coming to the Blazers. And quite frankly, I wasn't sold. Like I didn't have high expectations for Carmelo. Um, I've, I don't want to say lost respect for Carmelo as a player, but um, I was kind of over Carmelo and you know, I think that I do want to acknowledge the fact that he is doing well right now for the Blazers. His numbers are good. He was the Western Conference player of the week last week. I'm not saying that he deserved it, but I'm not going to sit here and say that he didn't deserve it either. I just think there might have been a couple more players that were more deserving, but that's neither here nor there. He did his job well enough to where he received the award. And then yesterday, the news came out that um, his contract that initially was a non-guaranteed contract is now a fully guaranteed contract. And, you know, that's dope. I'm all about the brother getting his money. I'm all about the black man getting his money. And I am never here to hate on anybody's game when it comes to getting to the bag. And, I mean, I think he came to the right place. Now, granted, he's only getting $2 million, which I think is a steal on behalf of the Blazers, especially being that Melo's been able to produce the way that he's been able to produce. But anybody that knows the history of general manager Neil O'Shea here in the city of Portland, he's not afraid to dish out that bag. He's not afraid, obviously, to make guys' contracts guaranteed only after being with the team for two weeks. But that's neither here nor there because, as I said, Melo's doing his thing. You had this Blazer team that was at the bottom of the Western Conference, literally them and the Warriors um, before Melo got there were like the bottom two teams in the Western Conference, which is a little nuts because these are the two teams that played in the Western Conference Finals last year. But like I said, that's neither here nor there. Melo shows up. What do you know? He's played eight games. Tonight will be his ninth game playing against the Lakers. The Blazers have gone four and four. Um, He's gotten... Western Conference Player of the Week. Now, I'm not going to sit here and overly praise Melo, nor, like I said, when I said I had intent with saying the word semi, nor am I going to sit here and overly um, credit the Blazers. No, I'll give the Blazers credit because that was a good deal. But, yeah, I'm just not going to sit here and overly praise Melo for his performance up to this very point. 
because four and four, eh, it's all right. I mean, the teams that you've beaten aren't really that good. I think they've beaten Chicago twice. Whoop-de-doo. Um, who else have that? I just watched them beat the Sacramento Kings the other night. Whoop-de-doo. Not that good of a team. Um, when they played against a team that was a factor in the Los Angeles Clippers, they got ran out the gym to no surprise. Um, they had a very bad loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers since he's been on, on the team. Uh, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. You shouldn't lose those kind of games. And I know one of the other games they lost, I think, was to the Milwaukee Bucks, another championship caliber team. And eh, you couldn't handle them. So I'm not going to sit here and overly praise the guy as many people here in the Rip City would do because he's having the success that he's having. Like I said, I'm not going to hate on him. I'm going to semi-eat some of my words because I do think that he's coming to the league and he's producing far better than maybe I expected him to. But, I mean, 4-4, four and four, that's 500. 500, to me, is half good. What does semi mean? Semi means half. Like, if they were 3-5, and five, I'd probably be shitting on them. He probably doesn't win Western Conference Player of the Week, and they're less than good because they're 3-5. and five. So, um, you know, I still think that this team is obviously going to be a playoff team. They're now sitting at number nine in the Western Conference. I'm a huge believer in Damian Lillard and his ability. I'm also a believer in C.J. McCollum, even though I didn't think he got off to the best start this season. He'll come around. Those guys have been in the league for a while. They're vets now, and they know how to turn it on and turn it up. And one thing that I think they do well at is being able to pace themselves and not really panic. You got some teams that want to get off and get hot early, but aren't really willing to pace themselves. You got other teams that kind of get off to slower starts, but know when it's the important time of the season to turn it on. They know and they understand the length of the season, and they know what areas they need to get better in, even if it means sacrificing a couple losses. But if you know that you're getting better in these particular areas um, to gain chemistry so your team can go and get hot and really go on to certain runs and become the unit that you need them to be, you got to know and understand how to do that. And speaking of pacing and kind of not really going overboard, one reason that I think Melo is having the success that he's having is he was able to have a year off away from the game of basketball. And I think that's really key right now, especially when you think about low management, when you think about uh, Kawhi Leonard and what he's been able to do, taking a year off essentially with the San Antonio Spurs and then going over to play with the Toronto Raptors and only play 60 regular season games just so he can go on this crazy playoff run and win a championship out there in Toronto. Obviously, you see what the Lakers are doing. LeBron had gone to nine straight finals before last year where his season not only ended early for the, for the team, his season ended before the team's season even ended. And so LeBron was able to get some rest and really pace himself um, coming into this season. And we're seeing how refreshed and rejuvenated LeBron is looking right now. And obviously they got Anthony Davis over there, but my goodness, the Lakers are dominating the league right now. Something I didn't quite expect, but it is what it is. And they're doing well. And like I said, I think you got to credit some of that to their star being able to rest up during the postseason last year. Same goes with Anthony Davis. He was able to rest up 
in the latter part of the season last year because the Pelicans weren't that good of a team and he was dealing with injury and he basically told them, I don't want to be here. And he essentially kind of pulled what a Kawhi Leonard was pulling beforehand when he was in San Antonio and didn't really want to play there and got shipped out of there just as he wanted to. (laughs) So to me, I think there's kind of a bigger story here and more of a common theme And I'm really wondering how the NBA is going to wrestle with this because too many guys that are essentially preserving themselves, whether it be intentionally or unintentionally, are having mad success right now in the NBA. As I mentioned, Melo, he's getting off early. He was able to preserve himself a year and not play in the NBA and not play a basketball game and really get himself together and get his body where he needed to be. Uh, by the looks of it, get his mind where he needed to be because he seems dialed in right now. As I mentioned, LeBron, the success he had, Kawhi Leonard, the success he had. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard learned the game from Greg Popovich, and we all know the success that the San Antonio Spurs dynasty had for quite some time under Greg Popovich's tutelage. Um, They're not doing so great right now, but we remember the days Popovich was more than willing to sit out Timmy. He was more than willing to sit out Manu Ginobili. He was more than willing to sit out Tony Parker to make sure his guys were fresh when they needed to be fresh most. And so just seeing, you know, low management become such a huge topic in the NBA and just seeing the success that a lot of these teams are having. If I'm the owner, if I'm the players, hey. I'm going to get it for what it's worth because I know how much further success is going to take me rather than my guys risking themselves being hurt, rather than my guys not getting rest and not going out there and winning ball games, especially the important and the big time ball games. Now, I know some guys from the older generations and past generations, they might call it soft and they might feel as if, hey, if you can go out there and play, you lace them up and go play. And quite frankly, I had that mentality myself growing up. So I don't even want to call out the older guys like I get it. I understand that mentality. But I also understand that this is big business here that we're talking about. We're not talking about Rudy Poot money (laughs) like this is mega business here that we're talking about. So if I'm a player, if I'm a coach, if I'm a GM, if I'm an owner, I am going to try to take advantage of as best I can of this entire load management wave if that is what's going to lead me to win a championship like the Raptors did thanks to Kawhi Leonard if that's going to lead me to having the best record in the NBA at 18 and 3 if I'm LeBron James and the Lakers and like I said I'm not saying that those are the same things I'm just saying intentionally or unintentionally we're seeing that the preservation of these athletes is leading to their success I'm looking now forward to the Warriors. Obviously, this year's a wrap. It's a wash. Steph could have came back by the end of this season. He's likely not going to because he's been to the NBA Finals for the last five years, and he's missing a big enough chunk of this season, and the Warriors are no good right now. Why would Steph Curry come back and not preserve himself to be at his absolute best next year? Oh, by the way, when Clay, when Clay Thompson is going to come back next year and do the same. Clay could potentially come play at the end of the year if he wanted to, but for what? 
everybody's preserving themselves right now and they're having mad success at it why would the warriors not do the same thing especially being that they've played more than a hundred games the last five seasons have played more games than essentially anybody or any other team in the last five seasons because they've been to five straight nba finals i get it and I don't want to blame the players, the coaches, the GMs, the owners, or these organizations for taking advantage of these particular situations because it is leading them to success. And as long as they're doing it within the confines of the rules and with the conf within the confines of what the NBA has laid out, it's on the front office um, execs in the NBA to figure out how to nip this in the bud, whether it's having less games in a season, whether it's finding guys and just flat out not letting it happen whatever it is that the nba has got to do to try to nip this thing in the bud for its consumers the nba has that problem to deal with not these players so shout out to everybody having success because they're preserving their bodies and they're coming out of these kind of preservation and these rest moments and these rest days and essentially for some like carmelo anthony these rest seasons they're now coming out and having mad success. So it's something that I think folks need to look out for. But next up, I got to talk about guys with dark skin, playing with a dark football, and wearing dark jerseys. Y'all keep it locked. This is the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. Okay, so my um, dark-skinned ass is back behind the microphone here right now. <laughs> and I don't want to make light of the situation, but you know what? Because I'm privileged enough to have dark skin, I can do that. But guess what, Tim Ryan? Broadcaster, analyst for the San Francisco 49ers. You can't. <laughs> you cannot. And I'm going to give y'all kind of the backstory here in a minute, but because I'm dark skinned and I have dark privilege, I'd rather just say what I'm going to say right now first before I even get into the backstory. You cannot, Tim Ryan, talk about black quarterbacks, which there has been a racial stigma around for quite some time, that have dark skin being able to fake handoffs really well because they're dark skinned is essentially camouflaging with a dark football and they're wearing a dark jersey. You cannot say that. Sorry, but I'm not sorry. I can make light of the dark skin jokes because damn it, I'm dark skin. Call it what you want. I'm going to take advantage of my privilege where I can. I mean, hey, other folks take advantages of their privileges where they can. So I'm going to take advantage of my privilege where I can. So for those that you, for those of you that don't know, Tim Ryan, um, he's a color analyst. He's an analyst for the San Francisco 49er, which it's a job that I do. As I mentioned, I'm getting ready to go and uh, broadcast a game here in a, about an hour and a half, and I'm gonna do the same exact job. Now I'm an analyst at Portland State University. In a couple weeks, once I, Pacific University's conference play gets started. I'll be an analyst for them as well. So this is my job. This is right up my alley when it comes to the conversation that needs to be had surrounding what Tim Ryan did. But nonetheless, Tim Ryan, 
he came out and he talked about Lamar Jackson and how tough it was essentially to contain Lamar Jackson. And a reason being is that Lamar Jackson had dark skin and he was wearing a dark jersey, handing off a dark football. And so you don't really know whether Lamar Jackson is doing a fake handoff or if he's actually going to hand the football off. And it essentially tricks defenses because he can kind of camouflage with the football and with the jersey so you don't know whether he still has the ball or not. Now, here's my thing. First off, that's just a bad take. And you know what? In this industry, we all have bad takes. I've had plenty of them in my day. There's many folks that have had plenty of them. I think one of the best sports commentators we have is Stephen A. Smith. He had some bad takes in regards to the Colin Kaepernick workout a couple weeks ago, and he got slandered for it, damn it, and he deserved to. And I'm not canceling Stephen A because he had some bad takes because you know what? As I said before, I've had bad takes. Tim Ryan, that was just a flat-out bad take. You should have far more knowledge and far more expertise of the game to have that cop-out of an excuse as to why it is hard to contain Lamar Jackson, especially because Lamar Jackson has been killing it in the white jerseys. Lamar Jackson has been killing it in the purple jerseys. He's been killing it in the black jerseys. Why don't you just give Lamar Jackson the credit that he's due because he's a damn good quarterback and he's dominating the league right now just because he's good at what he does? It's simple. <laughs> Lamar Jackson is really good. He's a dual-threat quarterback. He, he can run the ball. He can pass the ball. He's a high-IQ quarterback. He's got his team under control. He's got his team rallying behind him. He's a dynamic leader. His team is going to give it their all for him. Why can't you give him credit for those things as you probably would Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers or any other quarterback that doesn't have dark skin who fakes handoffs? <laughs> Why can't Lamar Jackson get the same kind of credit that they do? Because he's balling like one of them. His IQ is as high as anybody's right now within the sport. Maybe that's why he can't be stopped right now. So I don't want to sit here and cancel Tim Ryan for what he said. I think he deserves all the slander in the world that he's going to get. Not because I feel like he's some racist prick. Was he maybe a little bit ignorant with what he said? Sure, but I'm not going to sit here and call the guy racist. But what I am going to do is tell him he has anything he has coming towards him. He's got to eat that. He's got to deal with that. Because he just flat out had a bad take as a, as somebody that is a professional, as a professional orator, that wasn't necessarily the best thing to orate. <laughs> it just wasn't. And like I said, I, I just, I don't want to dig too much deeper into it because I'm not going to sit here and I don't know the guy that called him a racist or not. I know we're in a pretty hypersensitive climate right now because of who we have in the white house and we all know kind of where politics are so i'm hyper aware that racism exists so i'm not sitting here and saying that tim ryan isn't racist let me be very clear with that because i don't know him i don't know what side of the fence he stands on what side of history he stands on i don't know 
but I'm not going to just project it on him that he is racist because he made a comment that was mm, not so good of or not so smart of a comment. I'm just not going to do it. But Tim Ryan, I know you came out with an apology and I mean, as you should, <laughs> I don't know how Lamar Jackson, I haven't really heard anything about Lamar Jackson responding to the comments that he made. But as I mentioned before, I think we all know Lamar Jackson is just a dynamic football player who right now is probably leading the league when it comes to being an MVP candidate. I don't really see anybody that deserves the award over Lamar Jackson. I mean, I know Russell Wilson is balling out. Um, there's other good players in the league that are doing their thing. But when it comes to winning this particular award, I think it's a no-brainer that if the season ended right now, we'd have to hand the MVP trophy over to Lamar Jackson. And if we're going to credit his dark skin for it, I'm not going to go there right now. <laughs> I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to follow up Tim Ryan's sentiments and say some more what could be taken as ignorant to some folks. I'm just not going to do that. I'll let you... Uh, think whatever it is that you feel like is going on in my brain right now. Tim Ryan's just got to be more careful about what he says. I hope that he continues his career as a broadcaster. I've been in situations and circumstances around colleagues that have said some wilder stuff than that, to say the least. And it's never cool as a black man especially in your profession to know that these comments are being made about you. It never feels good. It never feels right. But like I said, I don't know Tim Ryan's character enough to know, to sit here and say, I think that he should be canceled. He should be fired. Um, I think he got a suspension. That's probably what he deserved because he's got to eat those comments that he made. And so, and plus it's the San Francisco 49ers that we're talking about here. You're in the Bay area. This is a very diverse place. This is the place that Colin Kaepernick took his stance at and took his kneel at. This ain't a place that takes racism lightly. This isn't a region that takes racism lightly or racial comments lightly. Um, this is the home of the Black Panthers. Like This is a place where you can't quite get away with saying something like that and there won't be an uproar by those people that are born and raised in that region, whether they're a fan of the San Francisco 49ers or not. It just won't quite happen that way. So once again, man, shout out to Lamar Jackson. You're doing your thing this year. I'm going to keep watching you because you are just hella fun to watch. And uh, I know that you're better than your dark skin. I know that it's not your dark skin that's leveraging you to be as high of an IQ quarterback that you are. Because you're damn good at what you do. Y'all keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. So usually I finish out the podcast with the Taking L segment. I'll have my Taking L's. D-Boy will have whoever he has taken an L for the week. 
Um, we obviously try to give you winning formulas on whatever it is that we're talking about and whatever topics that it is that we're discussing. Um, obviously, in the first segment, I talked about Carmelo Anthony and the success that he's having um, and how I'm semi-eating some of my words and statements that I've had in regards to Carmelo Anthony during the time period that he was out of the league, which was about a year. Um, but even more so, stemming from that, um, I wanted to talk about how successful guys are basically preserving themselves as athletes, as I mentioned, whether it's intentional or unintentional. I don't think Carmelo Anthony was necessarily intentional in being out for a year. I think he wanted to play, but the best thing that probably could have happened to him was being out for a year and preserving his body from the wear and tears that come with playing in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard, a guy that I think is a bit more intentional, and I think he's come. he comes from a, a pedigree of coaching and players that are intentional in making sure that they get their rest when they have the opportunity to get their rest, even if they do have some games that they're going to have to skip out on. Um, Kawhi, I think, is one of those people coming from that Greg Popovich tree. LeBron, I talked about him missing nine, I mean, going to nine straight NBA finals or eight straight NBA finals, however many it was. And last year, his season ending as early as it did, but him being able to kind of rest and recover and recuperate. And now he's coming back this season and he's having mad success. The Lakers have the best record in the NBA. They're just flat out balling out. Like, shout out to LeBron and the Lakers for that. Um, but on this particular segment, I actually want to talk about the Joe Budden podcast. Um, first and foremost, congratulations. The Joe Budden podcast is the number one streamed podcast on Spotify. Now, this to me is humongous news. Um, obviously, y'all know me here on this podcast. I love talking music. I love talking culture. I love talking the intersections of culture with politics, culture with sports, things of that sort. Like it's what I come from. It's, it's what I grew up around. It's what I was raised around. And it's what I do and discuss here on this particular podcast and in real life. I mean, I obviously have my sports bro, uh, background in regards to me playing sports for the many years that I did that I did and having the success that I had within playing sports and now being a sports broadcaster. Politically, y'all know some of the work that I do with Street Roots, managing the vendor program, doing the advocacy work that I do over at Street Roots. That's definitely got my foot in the door with some of the politics going on here in the city of Portland. And it's definitely making an impact here in the city of Portland as well. And then DJing. I've talked about me DJing, me KJing, me having gigs. I got a gig coming up this weekend. So music is something that's very near and dear to me. Obviously, D-Boy, he's usually here co-hosting with me. And he's a music artist. So um, that's something very near and dear to both of us. We come from a musical family. Um, we come from a family full of talent, superstar talent, to be exact. I'm not going to sit here and name drop right now, but if I did, my family my family is probably a bit more talented than your family is. And you know what? I can flaunt that and brag about it a little bit. <laughs> no, but real talk, though, we got some talent in the family. But anywho, I'm saying that just to speak to my love for music and my love for the culture, ultimately, and my love for the sport of podcasting, the podcast industry. Um, me knowing that when it comes to Spotify, like I was an Apple music guy before I was a Spotify guy. So 
I was the guy who I did all my streaming, my music on Apple Music. Um, I wasn't really a playlister necessarily. Like Spotify was an afterthought for me because I already had an iPhone. I already had the, the, the Apple Music app downloaded onto the phone. All I needed to do was subscribe and make it happen. And that's what I did. And so when the Joe Button podcast, which I did listen to, um, through iTunes and on SoundCloud and things of that sort, places that this podcast lives on as well. Um, I was a fan of the Joe Button podcast before they made their move over to Spotify. And then when they made their move over to Spotify and they announced their partnership, I ended up getting Spotify and became a Spotify subscriber. Like that's how I even got Spotify. And I think now that I've I deal with Spotify a bit more, making playlists, things of that sort. And even seeing some of the things that Spotify is doing right now with kind of the year end numbers that they're having put out there and us knowing these statistics about the Joe Budden podcast, having the highest amount of streams, even though they have over a half a million podcasts that um, lives on Spotify and you're seeing all these artists post their year end numbers from Spotify and how many minutes down to the minutes that people have consumed these particular artists. And then for us that aren't the artists and that are consumers, Spotify is giving us our year end roundup numbers on what it is that we're listening to and what it is that we're consuming and we're posting it and we're marketing Spotify in a fantastic way. So I do want to shout out Spotify for that because I'm seeing them left and right right now. But going back to the Joe Budden podcast, as I mentioned, they're a cultural phenomenon. I mean, Joe Budden has gone through the ringer. Um, he's somebody who really inspires me as a podcaster. Um, he's somebody that is willing to challenge the industry. And by the industry, I'm more so talking about uh, the mainstream media, mainstream platforms, mainstream outlets. I'm somebody that has had the fortune to work within those realms, working in sports radio in a top 25 uh, media city. You know what I mean? Like I've had the opportunity to work in a city like Portland and be a full-time host and really kind of get that mainstream corporate feel, working up on the sixth floor of the Pac West Center with a beautiful view of downtown Portland. Like I've had the fortune to be able to do all of that. And now I would say it's a fortune. I don't think when it happened, I necessarily considered it one, but now I would say I had the fortune of being laid off and kind of really firsthand dealing with the corporate politics that take place within some of these mainstream entities. And I want to be clear. I'm somebody that hasn't even once looked. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that I've contacted some people in radio since then, because you know, you have these radio connections, but, um, I will say that as somebody who knows how to be persistent when it comes to what it is that he wants and somebody that has been able to accomplish some of the things that I've been able to accomplish in my young career as a media personality, a journalist, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't, I wasn't necessarily elated to go back and get another job within radio after being laid off. <laughs> and that's just real talk because I got to see kind of the mood in the building of what seemed to be a dream place for people to work. 
and being able to be in the building and being able to have the position I had as a full-time radio host in a, like I said, in a major market, a major media market, a top 25 market in the country, I got to kind of see that aura and see kind of the shit end of that part of the industry. As I said before, I'm not downplaying radio. I'm not saying that I would never want to go back to radio. I'm not saying that I would never want to have a radio show again in my life. I do know that things are going to have to go a certain type of way, though, in order for me to go back and really delve into that industry the way that I did the first time around because there were some lessons that were learned. I will say that much, but... I mean, I don't really listen to radio much, especially now that I'm no longer in that world because I feel like podcasts are far more informative. Um, One thing that I was fortunate of is when I was in the radio industry, I launched my podcast before I ever had a radio show. So even once I got laid off from my radio show, I still had my own platform to be able to fall back on. And that in itself was a lesson because like I said, It was a point in time where I was on top, 24 years old, African-American young man, a week after graduating college, and I got my own radio show, and and people are hearing me, and people are knowing me all over the city, and people are giving me my props, and I know that I'm doing something that most people in my um, demographic, whether it be by way of age, whether it be by way of race, um, just don't normally get the opportunity to do. I've been there. And knowing that Joe Button and his podcast really challenged some of the, 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 the bad things and some of the shittier parts of mainstream media and mainstream culture has been very impressive to me, seeing that they were able to have the success that they had partnering with a mainstream, uh, mainstream streaming platform, essentially, such as Spotify. And so... Me, I'm somebody, like I said, I'm a fan of the sport. I'm a fan of the game. I'm not one of those people that I'm not going to talk about so-and-so podcast on my podcast because that's free promotion. I'm not one of those kind of people. I'll talk about whoever's podcast if it's of interest to me, if it's something that I feel like can be talked about and discussed and maybe we can get a winning formula out of it. Like I'm more than willing to talk about it. And that particular podcast has been one that has inspired me as a podcaster, because I know some of the challenges that comes from dabbling in that mainstream world and it not treating you the way you would have made that you may have wanted to be treated. And so now you're kind of a rebel in a sense. You feel a bit rebellious. Now you're like, you know what? I'm not having it. I'm not going through that anymore. Or I'm not going to rush back to that so that the probability is higher for me to go through that again. Because that's more of the mentality that I have. I'm not anti-radio. I want to still be employed by radio maybe someday. But like I said, the terms will be a whole lot different than they were my first time around in the industry. So it's just something that I really wanted to discuss here on the podcast and talk about as somebody in this industry and somebody in this business. I think it speaks very highly of just kind of where things are going um, as far as media is concerned, as far as content is concerned, as far as being a content creator is concerned. Like, I think this is something that's really um, it's a milestone, essentially, for hip hop culture, for black culture, for podcast culture. 
um, for 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 business within the culture. Because that's something that has to be talked about, too. Because we know that, like I said, I had a bad deal, what I would consider to be and what I think most would consider to be if I really like spilled out the details of my contract when I was in radio. But, yeah, I got I had a bad deal and then got a raw deal at the end of that bad deal. (laughs) Straight up. A lot of it was just because I was young and I was just hungry. (laughs) Like I was young and hungry and ready to get into this industry and into this field. And yes, it was an opportunity of a lifetime for me. And I don't regret any of it. But I'm also not in a rush to go through that all over again. Some people are different. Some people have the mentality of I'm going to push through. I'm going to get fired and laid off over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm going to be persistent until I pop. And kudos to (laughs) y'all. Like, I'm not knocking that formula either, but I'm not going to sit here and act as if that formula is for everybody because it isn't, especially knowing that there are other outlets and there are other ways to have success within the media industry. And um, for folks that have whatever kind of platform that it is that they have within the world of media, than what we've kind of been used to based on what the mainstream has presented to us. I'm one of those people that's willing to try something else. Not to say I won't come back once again, but I'm willing to try other things and dabble in other things, especially if it's going to lead to me being happy and me being in a place and me feeling like I'm being pushed in a way that I would like to and me not feeling like I'm on the bad end of a deal. So like I said, I encourage the persistent folks that do radio until they're 50 and hopefully they pop off. Kudos to you. I think that's a skill and that's a strength in itself that you're able to be that persistent. But that doesn't have to be projected onto everybody. But with that being said, I got to get ready to head over here to the Viking Pavilion and talk more (laughs) for a couple more hours. Um, It'll be a fun night over there. And uh, as I mentioned, make sure y'all pull up on me. I'll be at Export this weekend, this Saturday, December 7th. I'll be at Export again next weekend, Saturday, December 14th. I'd love to see your face. It's a beautiful vibe up there. Um, I happen to be somebody with a great ear for music. So the tunes that I play up there are A-OK for the vibe that is presented once you walk through or walk out of that elevator and onto that 16th floor of that beautiful bar and lounge that exists here in downtown Portland. As I mentioned, it's at the Porter Hotel, 16th floor. Come holla at me. Uh, Make sure that you give it your all in whatever it is that you do. And I'm going to leave y'all the only way that I know how, and that is to stay woke and go win.